Today on The Breakdown, you might be sitting at home, but somewhere in the poker world, big money is getting exchanged. That's right. Well, this hand we're going to do is from back before the coronavirus struck and stuck everyone at home. And Dan, Zach, and Andy were playing on Live at the Bike, and it was a huge, huge hand. They were playing a $100, $200, $400 game because why, why wouldn't you? And let me just say this, the pot gets humongous. And these guys are making plays that at times surprise us, at times confound the solver. These guys, you know, they've got all the moves in the world, and we're going to talk about it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Yeah, it's the old uh, Dan Zach. He's back. He's one of our favorite Live of the Bike players. Yeah, I feel like we should have a little jingle that we're, or a drop that we do every time we mention Dan Zach. It's like, Zach is back, something like that. You know, we actually did have a Dan Zach jingle, although he was only half of it. Are you aware of this, Jonathan? No. It was about Dan Zach and Art Papazian. And it was, I don't remember exactly how it went, but it was something like, it's the Danny Zach and the Artie Paps. Doodly, uh, sounds doodly, about right. Something how like happy that. would you be if you were like Artie Paps and we created this nickname for him? We created a little song for him. I mean, granted, he's won a WPT event. So he's, you know, and people, thousands of people watch him play on Live at the Bike. But still, I'd be pretty psyched if I were him that people call us, that, you know, the poker guys call me Artie Paps. I'd be pretty psyched. Do you, don't you think we're not the first to come up with that? Like, I think we are definitely the first to come up with that. Artie Paps, it feels so natural, especially See, if he's from any East Coast city. This like is all the difference all those guys call people Artie Paps. <laughs> there is something to that. The difference between you and me, though, is like we come up with a good idea and you assume someone else has come up with it first. And I assume we were the brilliant ones. That's right. the difference, right? Like there. last, like last week like. When, when you were at home and you were like, I just invented bread. I mean... I didn't call it bread. And it, you did point out that it exists already. And I have to admit that time you were right. But I thought it was pretty smart. Also, what I did was I took bread and I sliced it. And I was like, this is the best thing since... I don't even know what. <laughs> yeah, okay. I did that. Yeah, I that was too, that. too much. Too much dad joke. Not that enough. Was, not that was a little joke. painful. Sorry. <laughs> we're yeah, no, stuck like, inside. We're quarantined. It's yeah, not well, now, now I feel like when the quarantine's over, I can't go to a restaurant with you because you're going to make the, the server uncomfortable with your stupid jokes. I think that's been happening for years and years already, my friend. I'm going to be like, do you have alcohol? I'd like a quarantini. <laughs> like that, you know. Anytime Shaking you're at a, stirred. <laughs> anytime you're at a store and, and the credit card's not swiping, are you, do you always say like, oh, I guess it's free then. Of course I say that. <laughs> <laughs> Best poker joke I make? You what? play that garbage. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. It's a good one. All right. Let's, let's move out of the, the uh, dad joke zone and into heavy-handed poker analysis. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like the world could use a little bit of the dad joke zone right yeah, now. Yeah, maybe you're right. Where's Kevin James when you need him? Why isn't he always just making YouTube videos of him doing multiple dad jokes? You know, Kevin James actually started a YouTube channel very recently. It's putting out videos all the time right now. Really? Yeah, and they're like short films. So it's weird that you would say that. And not, is... maybe you heard that somehow because... Yeah. Without realizing, because it's only been like two weeks, but obviously they're popular because maybe it's such a part of the zeitgeist at this point that I collectively unconscious grabbed it from the mind cloud that we all share. Sure, more for genetic fields, like of course. Yeah, obviously everybody knows about that, (laughs) including 
let me win one and Max Sawyer who are the suggestors of this hand. They suggested it on Twitter, which is where we'd like you to do that. We are the poker guys on Twitter at the number two poker guys. If you suggest a hand, please include a YouTube link and timestamp that puppy timestamp the puppy. I will say it's cool. We have Max Sawyer and let me win one here. And those are two longtime suggestors. One of whom is a clear cut, no doubt about it. Hall of Famer. And another one, it's Max Sawyer. <laughs> yeah, that was obvious. Everybody knew. Any any listener to the podcast knew that's where you were going with that. Yeah. Why do I have a feud with him? I don't even know myself. It just is. It's what's happened. It's sprung organically. It's a one sided feud. It's because one time I like maybe maybe a little prematurely I said I think Max Sawyer is a Hall of Famer, and you yeah. were like, "Fuck you! No, he's not." And then and since then it's been the end of it. You know, you've just despite his consistent good play. Strong yeah. evidence that he's an all-star every year, all NBA most years. Yeah. You know, like so. he's like second team every year. And actually maybe, maybe recently even first team. Yeah. Maybe a first teamer. Yeah. But does that get you in the hall of fame now? <laughs> We're just handing out <laughs> tickets to the hall of fame. Like they're uh, like they're 10% off tickets to a record store, to a record store. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know who hands out 10% off tickets into what I couldn't come up with anything to a record store. I said a record store. I got to go buy the new Nirvana album. I hope they're handing out 10% off tickets. (laughs) (laughs) I guess like a show that's where you get 10% off tickets, right? Like 10% off to like the comedy show or something like that. Right. Like appetizers are 10% off. Right. I know see, I think you got it wrong both ways there. I think for a comedy show, they either give you 10% off the price, but usually not. Mostly they're going to mm-hmm. give you free appetizers or a free drink. That's, that's the move. Well, they certainly never give you free drinks at a comedy show. I know that. Even I know that. That's where all the money is made, my friend. All maybe the sheesh. Maybe one free drink? No. Are you kidding? One free drink if you, if you guarantee it. If you like, you're locked in to buy four at least, maybe. You know, but like... There's a, a four drink minimum and you get one for the fifth one's free, but I, I doubt think, they would uh, ever do that too. They don't give away alcohol at the end in, in these kinds of places. All the money is there. That's true. Come that's on, true. Grant. It's true. You know what they're giving it away though, is at the record store, 10% off. You know, it'd be, it'd be great to be in the alcohol business right now. Those, the, the sales are skyrocketing, Jonathan. Anyway, let's move on to the hand. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. All right. Dan so- Zach live at the bike. And the uh, Andy. It's not Artie Paps and, and Danny Zach, unfortunately, because there's no song about Andy and Dan Zach. There may be by the end of this podcast, but there currently is not. It's my friend Andy and my enemy Dan Zach. And a me Dan Zach? And oh, enemy, enemy Dan Zach. Yeah. Okay. It's not true, though. I like That's, Dan Zach. Yeah, maybe it's more like, it's my friend Andy and that other guy who... My acquaintance Dan Zach. <laughs> <laughs> my oh, casual my acquaintance Dan Zach. <laughs> We all went to the fishing hole together. All right. You know, something like that. You guys are going to have to forgive us. We have been in quarantine just like most of the world. So, yeah, so you're, you're fine with this though, right? You, you got nothing. You're, you're not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shut up and lay back. <laughs> right. And, this, um, and for those of you who are audiophiles, you might realize that the audio quality is slightly diminished. It's because we're doing this from our respective homes. Usually we get together to do these podcasts and allows for better audio. So please forgive us for any small little itty bitty audio deficiencies. Yeah. That said, it still is better than it was the last few podcasts we did where the audio was, or maybe the upcoming, whatever. Yeah, they're coming out. Yeah, they're coming out soon. That we've recorded a few where the audio is going to be not as good as this. We fixed our, like, we've gotten better equipment and stuff, even 
during quarantine times because yep. we care. We do care. Poker all guys about- care. Yep. That's my new charity. All right. Well, let's see you follow through with that one. Anyway, let's see if okay. these guys follow through on their plays. Oh. Because uh, we know Andy is an aggressive player. We always get flack from at least one guy and, and sometimes maybe other people. Multiple. Multiple. Talking about how two. we always talk about how Andy's just like all over the place playing huge, aggressive hands all the time. And we're, we're always told like if you watch Live at the Bike, which we don't watch like hours and hours of Live at the Bike like you, some of you guys do, I guess. Um, you would see that Andy has actually got pretty good frequencies and he's, he's pretty tight pre-flop and doesn't enter too many pots. But even if that's the case, even if his frequencies are such that he's not entering too many pots, he plays the pots aggressively that he does enter. I think that, that evidence has been made clear to me based on all of the hands that Live with the Bike chooses to make public and put on YouTube about Andy and, and all the things that get suggested to us. It is at least slightly possible that we just have a very particular self-selected, you know, sample where Andy is at his most crazy and most aggressive. And those are the ones that always get suggested, but it doesn't seem possible that someone could make the decisions that Andy makes, even in the, the self-selected hands um, and not be pretty out there post flop yeah. at least, right? Like he just does too many things too often. So anyway, I think that's important to keep in our little back pocket as we do this podcast, you know, as right. It might Andy. inform some decisions. Yeah. Uh, what he's doing. Yeah. So as Jonathan mentioned at the beginning, this is a $100, $200 game with a $200 big blind ante, by the way. But that's not big enough for these guys. They've got the $400 straddle on. Yeah. So, so there's $900 in the pot before anything happens, before the first card is pitched. Well, two of those cards get pitched to Dan Zach, who's in the cutoff. He's got $36,900 in front of him. Jonathan's laughing at how what I is that? Two of those cards get pitched to Dan Zach. Yeah. Okay, sure. I mean, it's a quality transition. Yeah. I'm better than Jesse May, okay? Anyway, Dan Zach, $36,900 in front of him. So the straddle has rendered his stack relatively short for a a high-stakes cash game, under 100 effective blinds, because the straddle being $400, him with under 40K. He's got ace four of diamonds. He's going to open to 1,200. Got any issues with the open or the size or anything like that, Jonathan? I would still make it a little bit more than these guys are making it personally. I understand that's not what people are doing, but with the big blind ante and the straddler, who's almost just the straddlers just call all the time. If you're going to three exit, they just are going to call. Um, I don't know why we're not making it like 400, 1400, excuse me, or 1500, 1600. I would go slightly bigger, but I have no actual problems with the sizing. And I certainly don't have any problem with the open. It feels like a mandatory open in the cutoff. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's nitpicking if we, have any issues with the sizing and as we've seen over the past year year and a half in the higher stakes cash games we, we tend to see smaller sizing in general and i think yeah. even two and a half x has become relatively standard maybe because there's effectively three blinds dan is would normally make it two and a half and he's making it three i but, think you're probably right but i still want it to be a little bigger that's all but i mean i fair guess enough. The general idea behind it in a cash game, I guess, would be that if you feel like you have an edge, you want to keep the stack to pot ratio as high as possible post-flop. Therefore, smaller sizes allow you to maneuver more post-flop. But cash games are typically so deep that it doesn't really matter, and you're going to have tons of maneuverability anyway. You generally don't have um, that much fold equity pre-flop if you're doing normal sizing. Almost no matter whether you do 2.5x or 3.5x, you're getting caught with almost the same ranges. So this goes back to your point of like if you're trying to... like you know, use your edge. And one of the ways you use your edge is just by being deeper Then going smaller makes more sense. So maybe that's what's going on. Maybe it's not crazy. 
Anyway, Ace Four of Diamonds is what he opens in the cutoff. It folds to Andy in the small blind, which is only one hundred. Remember, the straddle is four hundred. Yeah. And Andy's got ninety-two thousand in front of him, so a healthy stack even with a four hundred dollars straddle. And he's got Queen Ten of Diamonds, which is a very playable hand, but he's in in a straddled pot. The small blind is a position that a lot of players will never even consider flat calling an open in. What do you think yeah. about the general strategy you should have in a straddled pot in the small blind in a cash game? I think you should mostly be looking to three bet with this hand, uh, or not this hand, but from from the small blind in in a straddled pot um, by calling. Where it's going to be so rare, unless the person size is huge, it's going to be so rare to be heads up. Um, playing three or four handed out of position sucks with almost any hand in the world. Um, also, when we're when we're against up against a late position open, that f- makes it a little bit better too as a three betting strategy. If it was under the gun opening, I might be more inclined to just close my eyes and call with this hand and just be like, I don't know what else to do. I call. Um, but against a wider range that Dan Zach's going to have because he's opening from the cutoff. So cutoff button, I think we absolutely just have to three bet almost always from the small one, maybe even always to information hide. Perhaps always, but I mean, if if you're going to have a hand type that plays okay as a flat in this type of scenario. Queen 10 suited is one of those hands. I, I don't disagree. I think part of it also comes back to our stack size as uh, not our stack size, sorry, the effective stack size. So Dan, if Dan was deeper, this, that makes this flat a little bit better. And Dan being less deep, I think I like the raise more. You know, if Dan was, if we were both 200 blinds deep, because Andy is over 200 blinds deep. And when I say blinds, I mean straddles. Right. Because um, that's going to affect, as you see, all the preflop sizing and everything. Uh, like if we were 200 blinds deep, then I'd be much more inclined to, to be open to calling here. Although still there are those other problems about you know, letting everyone else in. But when Danzac starts with 92 blinds, I don't know. There's not as much to win. The implied odds, odds are clearly not as good. It just I would rather just play this aggressively if I'm going to play it. Yeah, I, I understand that. And I, I do like having good implied odds. Those are good. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what I said? Implied odds? <laughs> yeah. I Maybe you just it. heard it wrong. Maybe I said it right and your brain heard it wrong. That's always a possibility. It's it's yeah. possible that you're a figment of my imagination and I am in an empty warehouse screaming into a stick instead of at my computer talking into a microphone, you know? That's this possible. Gets, this gets back to the whole question of is I think therefore I am actually a reasonable statement. Like so I would say that's clearly not true because I'm aware that that isn't true. But what if I, that awareness is part of your figment of your imagination. And I think I have that awareness and I don't like, how do I know? Exactly. Anyway, so, <laughs> so Andy is going to decide to three bet. And yeah. he does. He makes it 4,300. Uh, definitely understandable. It's mm-hmm. not a hand you want to go folding and it's the worst position at the table to call in. So he does. He makes it 4,300. And this is where having a relatively short stack for the straddled pot hurts Dan Zach because ace four of diamonds is the type of hand that feels really playable against a guy like Andy, but the stack to pot ratio is going to be approaching three to one already. If he just calls and sees a flop post flop with Andy, and that's not great for ace four, you know, I mean, you want, you want to be deeper or you want to be shallower and be shoving in like a tournament setting. So it's awkward. You know, I think I feel like this, this feels to me like a four bet as a bluff. Cause this is a pretty good hand to put in there combinatorially or fold type spot i mean i think you're right that as a general strategy against the population who's three betting in this spot we do way better at these stack sizes to four bet or fold rather than call um 
we do have position, which is nice. And we sort of by four bet by four betting, we sort of give up the value of the position. We're throwing, we're throwing that in the trash, which sort of sucks. But what is the plan if we call here? The plan is to hope we flop top pair or the nut flush draw and hold. I guess if we flop the nut flush draw, it might be pretty easy. But if we flop top pair, because we're not gonna flop the we're not gonna flop diamonds that often. So if we flop an ace, for example, we're just gonna hold on like crazy. It's 90, we're going to hold on, you know, $37,000 worth of holding on. I don't know, man. doesn't sound like a great idea. Against Andy, though, we, that may have to be the plan. Right. We have to take into account who we're against. And at least Jonathan, my perception of Andy is that when he enters a pot, he plays it aggressively, whether he has it or not, meaning yeah. he's not going to have it a lot more than the rest of the poker playing population in general. I think, I think that's, that's been our experience of him for sure. And my plan would be... Um, if I had a hand, let's say that was a more obvious call, like ace-10 suited here, I would call and I'd be thinking, all right, we're just going to have to close our eyes and keep putting chips in if we have anything. And if we don't, maybe get away early because he's going to, I know more chips are going to keep coming. But like, if I flop an ace, I'm just going to have to hang the hell on like it's a roller coaster and, you know, no one strapped me in. Which yeah. is basically like doing this podcast for me, man. Same thing. Yeah, this is a thrill ride. And I think for the listener, it's a thrill ride as well. If you're listening yeah. right now and there's not visible sweat dripping down your face, you're listening wrong. You know what I'm saying? I completely agree. Like yeah. maybe, maybe stop pointing the finger outward and point the finger inward, listener. Yeah. Max Sawyer. <laughs> yeah, Max Sawyer is not listening hard enough. <laughs> not extreme enough. All right. So Dan Zach is going to do the thing that we don't want to do and he's going to call... And Denzak's a very good player. So I imagine this is an opponent-dependent decision. He does have position. It is suited. You can make the nuts with this hand, but it's a reverse implied odds disaster against a lot of players. Yeah, I think it's got to be the case that Dan is not going to flat against most people here. But guys like Garrett and Andy, he may just feel obligated to flat, especially based on the positional um, spots that they're in. You know, where Dan's like... Of course, that said, I mean... Dan has a lot of worse hands here, but he has a lot of better hands too. A lot more playable hands. A lot of hands that work better as a call of a three bet. Like King Queen plays so much better than this as right, a call. Right, nine, nine, ten suited. Right, where you're just going to like know where you're at a lot more of the time, or maybe not know where you're at. You're going to feel more comfortable when you flop, let's say, top pair with a hand right. like nine, ten suited or King Queen than you are with ace four. Where when the ace is on board and Andy keeps firing, you're like, why is he still betting? Why isn't he afraid I have the ace? He could be bluffing. But of course, every time he has ace queen, ace ace king, ace jack, maybe some other even slightly worse aces that are still crushing me and the kicker's going to play, I just lose all the money, you know? And it sucks. Well, Dan calls. Yep. So the pot's going to be $9,500. Okay. Andy, as the aggressor out of the small blind with queen ten of diamonds, Dan in the cutoff with ace four of diamonds. Mm. The flop is ace of hearts, eight of hearts, jack of clubs. So top pair for Dan. This is the scenario we were basically outlining that could happen. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a scary board. It's got a lot going on. And as an example, Andy's hand is a double gutter. Right. So it feels pretty clear that Andy should bet this, right? I mean, like he doesn't have an ace, but this is his board and he flopped a draw. That is well disguised, by the way. If either of those yeah. cards come in, it's pretty good. A king or a nine, pretty good. A nine especially, but yeah, it's a, it's a great spot. I would think as uh, Andy, we'd assume we're getting called a lot for one barrel. So we probably have to have a plan to bet more than once, right? Because Dan's going to assume we're barreling on this board. Dan, Dan connects with this board as at least a gutter most of the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he could have like six, seven of spades and fold, yeah. but 
Sure. Or two sixes, hands like that, that he might fold. And that's great. And if he folds those hands, that's fine with us, right? Yeah. Because that way we don't get bluffed later. Like a six, seven of spades, if we check, it could bluff us. Not now, because we're never going to fold now. But could could definitely bluff us later. And two sixes could do the same. So getting rid of those is fine. Denying their equity is fine. And we build a pot sometimes to when we hit our nuts or to bluff later or sometimes to fold out the equity. Yeah, when we hit our nuts. Well said. <laughs> I um, hit my nuts regularly when I'm fucking <laughs> around and not paying attention. <laughs> yeah, good to know. The listeners need to know about that. Uh, and by the way, that's probably true. Jonathan is pretty clumsy. Uh, so, but yeah, I, I think to your earlier point, though, it does have to be a multi-street plan because Dan does connect with this board in a lot of ways. He, he's going to flop a jack or an ace enough of the time that he's, which he's never folding either of those against Andy, or at minimum a gut shot a lot of the time with a lot of the types of hands he has, like King-10 suited or King-Queen, um, even open-enders sometimes, like 9-10. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's going to have to be a multi-street plan, but really plan A is to hit a card. Would, that would be a good plan. Yeah, absolutely. And plan B is just to keep throwing chips at this until something good happens. Yep. You know? So Andy so bets, nice. he does bet 4,100. The solver likes it, by the way, wants him to bet 98% of the time. We gave the solver two options, this sizing, 4,100 into 9,500, and bigger sizing, more like two-thirds pot. The solver did prefer the sizing that Andy chose. Mm-hmm. And uh, that makes sense. It's a ace high board. You're the three better. Stack to pot ratio is already a little little small. Seems like a, a prime time for smaller sizing. Agreed. Now, Dan, really, it feels like has only one choice that he can make here, and that is to call. I can't imagine making a choice other than calling here. Can you? Um, I cannot think of anything else that feels like a good play. <laughs> Folding would be awful. Raising would be awful as they say in boston yep raising would be pretty classic game theory disaster spot i guess maybe andy would call with his exact hand and we somehow get the showdown without andy bluffing us off the hand and it could turn out amazing but typically i wouldn't recommend that i mean it seems crazy especially against a bluffy opponent you know yeah like who's gonna keep firing and like why did we call this hand we called this hand to win one small bet on the flop and get him to fold his worst hands that doesn't sound when we flop when we have him drawing nearly dead a lot of the time, you know, or drawing with very small equity, that's not a good idea. It, those are the times where things are going well. Of course, when we raise and things aren't going well, like we're behind, he's never folding. Of course. So also he could play back at us with combo draws or just draws of any kind, really. He could, you know, if he's got nine, 10 suited, he might decide to just raise right now because he thinks he's got the, uh, a nutted range advantage, which he probably does. Like he's got more pocket aces than we do. He probably has more pocket jacks too. Dan might just be going with pocket jacks against Andy preflop for the his stack depth. At know? least some other time, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, calling seems like the thing to do. That's what Dan does. Interestingly enough, the solver is a little more conservative here. It actually wants Dan to fold 23% of the time, which is a little bit shocking to me to consider folding this hand. Yeah, it never would have occurred to me that the solver would want him to fold here. The solver's interesting. If you've if Andy, sorry, if if Danzac has the ace four of clubs rather than the ace four of diamonds, it do, it never wants him to fold because it's got the backdoor club draw, and that's enough to like absolutely hang in there because you can turn an an incredible card for yourself. You know, there's a lot of good cards for you, but because Dan only has the ace at this point and nothing else going on. And I guess because also the wet nature of the board means it's dynamic and not in bad ways for us. It's just hard to have good things happen from here on out. So it just wants them to fold at least a little bit of the time, which is still shocking to me. It feels like I would never actually make this decision against pretty much anybody. 
Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, of course, the solver is not aware that it's Andy, but right. still. But I'm saying pretty much anybody. Yeah. Like I mean, Ace of Hearts, Eight of Hearts, Jack of Clubs is the board. So there's no flushes and no straights that are on board yet. I mean, there's plenty of draws. Right. I mean, if you maybe if you're up against a guy who you know is only three betting you with like Queens plus, like Ace Queen plus or Ace, Ace King Queens plus or Jacks plus, something crazy like that, and is never going to see bet unless they have it 100% of the time. Like they're never going to see bet Kings and Queens. So it's a set of Jacks or a better ace than you at a minimum. Like ace king is the worst possible hand. I guess we can fold. But then what are we calling pre-flop for anyway? Why would yeah. we call? Yeah. <laughs> if they're never going to put another dollar in every time they're behind, you know, if an ace flops and they're just going to check bold queens and kings or whatever, why would we do that? So my best guess is that the solver sees the stack to pot ratio, that it's a bit precarious, yeah. that there aren't many future prospects for this hand. Like we have right. to hit an ace or a four to improve and those could both be really bad for us. We might right. not want to hit those. Right. And an ace doesn't really... Ch- doesn't actually really improve us at all, right? We're either ahead or we're not. And an ace does not change that. Unless, so a four, a four might. Unless Andy had jack eight, which is unlikely. Okay, fair enough. That's the one hand. You're right, yeah. jack eight. You're right. But an ace anyway, could make us drawing dead also. Yep, they could. Like ace jack, even ace eight. Andy, Andy's got maybe all the ace eights and we may have only the ace eight suited. He may have like just such an advantage on us range-wise here. Yep. Yeah, so maybe that's why it wants him to fold a little bit, but mm-hmm. he calls, I would call, seems reasonable. I would never consider anything but a call. You should also consider calling up Nitrogen Sports Poker Hotline, which is not, I don't think it's not a, it's not a real thing, but it does have, you know, the internet. It is an, an online poker site. Okay, but I feel like you're burying the lead a little bit. We actually have a headline. We have something we to tell people, which is, okay, today's Thursday. On Saturday, we have a $1,000 free roll for everyone who's ever signed up with our Poker Guys affiliate link on Nitrogen. Yep. It's at noon p- Pacific on Saturday. Yeah, if you've ever signed up to Nitrogen, even if you haven't played for a long time, it doesn't matter. You go to Nitrogen right now, you can play a no-strings-attached $1,000 free roll 11 a.m. Pacific time. Oh, Saturday. my bad. Thank yeah. you. 11 a.m. Pacific time on Saturday. I don't see why you wouldn't do that. That's, that's plenty of money. That's a reasonable free roll. There's only 500 spots. We're not sure if it's going to fill up or not, but you know, there is some urgency there in, in case you are getting a little FOMO, which the kids like to say these days. Um, it is, even if you haven't signed up for nitrogen using our link, guess what? There's still time. You, you can use the link in the description of this podcast to sign up for nitrogen, and that will grant you access to that free roll. No strings attached. It's very easy to sign up. You just have to use a username and a password. That's all the information they require. You don't have to buy in for anything. You don't have to deposit any money. You're just there, and you can play the free roll. It's really worth doing. It's free. It's a free yeah, roll. Yeah, it's a good deal. Now, not only that, this free roll is going to kick off a new thing we're doing with nitrogen, sort of in collaboration with them, where we have taken our local card rooms tournament schedule where they run two tournaments a day, every day, and just put it on nitrogen. So the buy-ins are the same and it's a smaller card room. So it's like not very expensive necessarily. Like the, the noon tournaments every day are like $40, except for the weekend tournaments, which are like $125 buy-ins. Um, some of them have add-ons, some of them have rebuys. They're longer tournaments than the typical uh, online tournament. Cause this is really trying to replicate the same schedule and experience. Right of our uh, card room. So it's a little bit different, but we think it's pretty great. We're, we're excited about it. And that's starting as well on Saturday at noon with, I think, $125 buy-in uh, 
event. Right. And it is Bitcoin only. So it's, it's the Bitcoin equivalent of these amounts uh, of money. And if you want resources on how to get Bitcoin, tweet at us. We'll try to help you out as best we can. Or just um, ask Google, man. There's a whole internet. Yeah, out it's there. pretty. It's actually pretty easy. Um, and so, yeah, we're we're bringing in well, Portland Meadows, which is where we film Poker Time. For those of you who watch yeah. Poker Time, we're we're advertising this to all of those players separately. Like, we're gonna try to replicate that club online, and you guys get to be a part of it. It's a really fun schedule every day. Really good group of players that are fun to play with. You've seen Poker Time. You might get to see some of those guys playing yeah. on there. You know. So yeah, get use the link to get into the free roll. And then keep on playing on, on the Portland Meadows schedule on Nitrogen. And the best thing is, of course, Grant and I are going to play the free roll for sure and play some of those tournaments, not all of them, because we have to make podcasts and videos and things like that as well. But you, you always know if you're playing with us because our avatars, we, they made special avatars just for us where Grant looks like the oldest, fattest ugliest baby, baby you've ever seen. Uh, oldest, fattest, ugliest baby you've ever seen. Yeah, yeah look, it's not look, a good look. I look horrific and disgusting. You and, do. Yeah, my avatar, uh, my name, by the way, is Poker Guy Grant on there, and Jonathan's is Poker Guy Jonathan. Jonathan looks like an anti Semitic cartoon in Germany in the early 1940s. <laughs> I mean, not only that, I, I was also saying I look sort of like a combination of Al Pacino and uh, Robert De Niro from like Casino, but not in a good way. <laughs> like if they melded those two people together in the worst ways, that's, that's what my avatar looks like. It's bad. So it's, it's worth very, playing. They, just- they basically like, let's take these two you know, I guess average looking dudes and make them as ugly as possible, but still recognizable. And they're like, we did it. We totally did it. <laughs> yep. It's really a nice confidence boost to look at that avatar as I'm check raising. Like, oh, I deserve to lose this hand. Look at that <laughs> ugly baby. Like my life has gone terribly. Look, look at myself. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on with the hand. Okay. Make sure you use the link to get into the free roll. Um, also just use the link to help us out. It tells nitrogen you came from us. So, yeah, if, but again, if you've already signed up with us at any point in the past, you can just get right yeah, in. Yeah, you're already you're already all set. You should see it in the tournament lobby. Yep. Okay. All right. So the flop was Ace of Hearts, Eight of Hearts, Jack of Clubs, Dan Zach in position with Ace Four of Diamonds. Andy in the small blind with Queen Ten of Diamonds in the double gutter has bet. Dan has called. Pot is seventeen thousand seven hundred dollars. Dan is left with about twenty nine thousand in front of him. So back to pot, getting a little rough. The yeah. turn is the King of Hearts. So. Snap. Good news for Andy. He made a straight. The slightly scary news is that hearts came in, but it's not that scary. It's still good news. We still want this news if we're Andy. I think we were very happy to hit the king of hearts as Andy, considering we had queen high and we just got called and the stack to pot for Dan was such that he's welcoming aggression a lot with his hand and our reputation post flop. So hitting, hitting Broadway is great. If he has hearts, he has hearts. I think right. that's, it's that's like how we, I would look at it. It's like we played Powerball and the Louisiana State Lottery, and we won the Louisiana State Lottery instead of the Powerball. We're still happy about it, you know? It's right. It's not yeah. as good. Yeah. I, I won like 60 bucks. That's good, right? $60. <laughs> is that how much it is? I don't know. It's something, maybe it's 70 depends okay. on, It depends on, you know, if, if anyone's hit it the last few weeks or not. Okay, good point. <laughs> Interesting. Why, why, why do you have to take shots at Louisiana? That's my it's, question. I, that was a weird dig by you. It was weird. Me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. It was. All right, so Andy's made the straight. Do you want to bet or do you want to check? The hearts came in. I think I want to bet. I'm Andy. I'm the guy with the like very eccentric post-flop reputation. I don't want to let another heart just come off. There are, bad, there are really bad cards on the river that are both hearts, queens, and tens are all action-killing cards. This isn't necessarily an action-killing card when Dan Zach has uh, 
a one and a half to one stack to pot ratio. Like if he's got top pair or better, I don't see how he can really, he's not going to fold that often. He may fold, but he really may not, you know? And also he has some hands that have, that have reasonable equity against us, specifically the ace queen with the queen of hearts. That's like the most obvious one. Um, so I feel like it's a pretty clear bet. What do you think? Yeah, I think it is. I think getting raised sucks ass. Like yeah. it's bad. Yeah. And it's tough to come up with a hand that we're beating if we get raised when there's no reason that we can't have a flush here. So that sucks, but I don't think that's enough to make it. So I don't want to bet. I still want to get action from good aces and two pair hands and maybe even some slow played set type hands. Well, let's, let's go a little further down that path though. Okay. So yeah, I think, I think we both agree and the solver, by the way, also agrees that this is a bet solvers like a hundred percent, literally a hundred percent of the time bet. Yes. So we all agree. This is bet. But you're saying getting raised, and I believe the phrase used was sucks ass. So yes. I just want to explore that a little bit. <laughs> um, so let's say you're Andy and you bet. Well, he bets uh, 7,600 into a pot of 17.7. Dan Zach has like 29K back, right? Or uh, Yeah, about 29K. Uh, let's say Dan moves in here. What are you doing and why? That's, that's a shitty decision that I don't want to make. I, wanna, I want somebody else to make that decision for me. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's not a great spot. And the reason why, it, look, my, my initial hit is you definitely can't fold this hand. It's too strong. Guys like Dan Zach have too many moves. He's got, you know, he does all these plays with blockers and whatever. And so we can't just fold. At the same point, it's tough to come up with a hand that Dan Zach would be bluffing with here. Right. So you mentioned blockers. The ultimate blocker here is obviously the queen of hearts. So we yeah. have to find hands in Dan Zach's range that he would play up until this point this way that have the queen of hearts without another heart in them. King queen with the queen of hearts that feels like it's no good on the turn is the best answer I have, but could just decide to call anyway. I mean, it has enough showdown value against a guy like Andy that it feels like a call is the more obvious play. I agree, but maybe it's like I can fold out some aces here and one call that's not the end of the world. That's it's, it's tough to come up with very much though. I agree. Queen queen with the queen of hearts, maybe once in a while, but he's not going to have that too much anyway. No, he's going to four bet that a lot pre-flop, especially with the stack to pot that he's generating post-flop. I think I'd, so. I think you're right. And like, uh, I don't know if we expect Andy to have a one pair ace that often anyway, when he bets on this card, unless he has a big heart with it himself. Right. Um, Dan could have two pair and is denying equity because the stack to pot is so small and he doesn't want to let Andy just get there uh, at his price. He's like, you got to pay the full price to get there, bro. I mean, I just feel like a much better way to play that against Andy is to call and then call again on the river. Right. Unless a heart comes, then you yeah. can decide to fold. I yeah. agree. I agree. Um, and this goes back to, this is the point of like, it's actually hard to come up with obvious bluffs here uh, for Dan to have that he's going to call the flop with it and move in on the turn after Andy decides to bet here. Um, but I still think we probably can't fold anyway. I think this has got to be one of those we just have to call and it sucks because... Dan, Zach, Garrett, even Andy are the, are the, the population at this table and at Live at the Bike who are going to find ways to put pressure on, on each other, right? And, and everyone else at the table. And if we let them run us over, we're going to get destroyed. And so we just have to use distribution. And I think distribution says, like, we just have to call anyway. Like, it sucks. Guess what? We have to call. Well, I guess that depends on what we're betting on the turn a little bit, right? Because... Yeah. That's we fair. have at least a reasonable amount of combos of flushes as Andy. We might be three betting hundred percent of the hands that we're playing in this position against Dan's cutoff opening right. range. Right. So we're going to have a decent 
combinatorial swath of flushes that are above queen 10. And mm-hmm. I think I would prefer to call it off with sets versus this hand because we're not drawing dead against what Dan is representing. Mm-hmm. So if we choose sets over this in our distribution, it's possible that distribution-wise we could actually find a fold depending on how, how deep we go into the well with our, our value bets on the turn. Like what's our worst hand that we're value betting the turn with? Right. That, that's a really good question because my inclination would be to not fold sets either. Like I would call with all those things. Yeah. Um, but let's, let's try and figure that out. So we're clearly, I think we're betting all our aces up hands here. Okay. Right. If we so, have ace, even if we have ace eight of spades, aren't we betting that on the turn? We're not just going to give a free card where like queens and tens and hearts all suck. A jack sucks. Uh, a king sucks. You know, why are we going to let Dan just draw for free to all of that? Yeah. So I think we're betting that, which means we're also betting ace jack and ace king. Um, so that's that's a f- not too many, but that's a fair amount of combos, especially with the ace jacks and ace kings, where they're they're all going to be off suit for sure. Maybe the ace eights are off suit also. I don't know. Um, I guess I like. Do you agree with me that we should put sets above straights here with like no hard straights because we can actually draw out if we're behind? Um, well, let's look at the uh, what kind of price we're going to be getting were that to be the case. Okay, so there'd be thirty, there'd be fifty three k in the pot. 54K in the pot, and it would cost us 21. So we're getting like two and a half to one to call. We're going to, the board's going to pair something like what, 20% of the time. Um, so, so that would help mitigate the call there. Well, obviously, if we have a straight and we're up against a flush, we're just drawing dead. Yeah. Which is problematic. So that's, that's a fair point. Uh, So I'm just, I'm trying to, I don't know what my answer is yet. I'm still trying to think this one through. Uh, what would I rather have here? I guess I'd rather have a set. I think yeah. you're right. I'd rather and have to, a set. To that end, I mean, I guess, because you had to waffle on that a little bit, you probably will not agree with this. I'm not, I'm not actually positing this, but I'm wondering about two pair also, because you can at least improve like 8% of the time with two pair, whereas you could be drawing dead with a straight. Huh. Um, yeah, but not, I guess... I guess, but the other side, of course, is if you're up against a set, two pair is often screwed or has two outs, maybe, and a straight is way ahead, you know, and like, that's if true. Danzac has a set, he might sometimes move in here. I, yeah, actually, I challenge that. I mean, look, they're not that deep anymore. It I know, but it's, I feel the same way I feel about two pair with a set, even more so with a set than I did about two pair from the Dan Zach perspective of it's Andy. I'd rather just call here and then call the river unless it's a horrendous river and not put myself in a potential game theory disaster position by shoving. Well, you're never in a true game theory disaster position. Unless, I mean, we're like, no, that's not true. You, you could be. Well, no, I don't know if you would be or not. Like, if we have a set of jacks, we could get called by we could get called by some worse hands. Maybe not that many, but we. Can yeah, but it's tough for us to have a set of jacks anyway. Shh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. So it's more like a set of eights, which is also tough, by the way. But you know, why is that tough? Because we didn't raise the flop. Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, I could see Dan being in a spot though, where on the on the turn he's just like. This, he doesn't want to make a bad fold on the river. I don't think Dan would actually do this, though. I'm saying I'm talking through the way some people think, but I don't think Dan thinks this way. I think Dan's going to trust himself to figure it out a lot more than like just move in because he knows he's getting it in any way against better hands on the river and stuff like that. Um, so I think you're right. I think he's mostly going to call with those hands. Okay, so 
I still would absolutely call it the straight over two pair for sure. I think 100%. I would. I think I would call the straight over two pair just in case. Just in case Dan is doing some sort of uh, weird just in case play, where mm-hmm. like a straight beats his hand and two pair doesn't, or is some sort of equity denial play. Yeah, I mean, we could have him in jail sometimes if we call with a set or a straight, and where we really don't when we call him with two pair. Yeah, so. I agree. Still, though, if we're putting sets above straights, I, I think this is close as to whether or not we should call against a player like Dan even on the turn if he shoves, mm. distribution-wise, at least. Uh, I think it's close, too. I, think my, I just come back to, in the end, I'm often surprised at the hands these guys are moving in and bluffing each other with when I actually can see the cards, you know? Yeah. Like, it's like, oh my God, Garrett did it with that. Andy has that hand. This is crazy, you know? And so because of that, I would just fall back on my hands too strong. I don't fall. The end. Because I don't want it, your, your weird insanity to like work against me, which I feel like it just will too much if I'm bet folding this hand at these stack depths. Yeah, that's a fair thought. Anyway. Anyway. That was a big aside. It really but, was. Because Dan is definitely... Dan's not going to move in on the turn. That's a spoiler for you guys. Not yeah. going to move in on the turn. That was just ace. a thought experiment. Ace four. The ace of hearts, eight of hearts, jack of clubs, king of hearts. And he's made a straight with queen ten, of course, as we've just been talking about a lot. Dan just sitting there with top pair. This is a, a kind of a crappy spot. Andy betting 7,600 into 17.7. Like, I mean, we called pre when we didn't have to. We had to call the flop. When, we're called, when we call pre with this hand at these stack depths against Andy from these positions, we're doing it, I think, so that way we can call a lot, the turn a lot in this exact situation. I mean, right? the king is a bad card, though. The king of hearts yeah. is a bad card. Terrible card. Horrible card, we're, right? We're drawing dead or to a chop a lot. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but we intentionally put ourselves... We engineered this spot. Very much so, right? Like we were saying, we were almost never flat here, but we did, but Dan decided to. Dan's deciding to, I believe, because he thinks when he flops an ace, Andy is going to just keep firing and rep the hell out of that. And so we just have to try and induce, I think. And by in, and so like inducing the flop to fold the turn when a scary card comes is not great against Andy because Andy's going to rep the scary cards all diggity day long, son. Yes. You know what I'm saying. So you're advocating a call from Dan. I feel like we have to call as Dan. It sucks. I could talk myself into folding. I might in real life, if, if there's no, if it's cost me $7,600 to call, I'd probably fold because I don't want to lose that money. Well, but, um, okay. But, but in an actual poker, no, I know. I know. In an actual poker game, I would call against, if I had called on pre-flop, I have a plan. The plan is to let this guy bluff me and let him take shots at bluffing me. How can I fold top pair if that's the plan? Even on a scary card, the board usually runs out scary in some way, right? It almost never runs out perfectly clean. I mean, anyway, sure. That's my thought. You can say that, but there are better runouts, obviously, than the king of hearts. Of course. Of course there are. And look, I think like if we call here and the, the river is a really bad card, now we can decide to get away. A queen, a 10, a heart are horrible cards for us now. Like awful cards. Maybe even a king is pretty bad. If he bet, if he goes all in, we may have to fold on all those cards. But I don't think we have to fold yet, just because the board got a little scary against freaking Andy. Well, if it was a an unknown player, would you fold? I would have folded pre-flop if it was an okay. But player. if you were vaulted into the seat on the turn against unknown yeah. player, would you fold? Absolutely. Yeah, hundred freaking percent, I would fold. I, I would have so called too. the flop, 
and folded the turn because I'm like, he's not betting again unless he, what does he have that he's betting? Queen, queen with the queen of hearts. So he has a turn to combo draw and he's just betting because there's no one else to do. That's the only thing I can beat, right? Yep. And um, I, I mentioned the unknown player because that's what Andy is to the solver that wants mm-hmm. Dan to fold. Yeah, big time. Wants, wants him to fold 89% of the time. But yeah. come on, audience. You saw that coming. It wanted him to fold 23% of the time on the flop even. Now we got the king of hearts and Andy's still betting. Of course it wants him to fold. Yeah, we got like one of the worst cards we could ever see on the turn. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, of course it wants him to fold. Anyway. I mean, look, I get it. I get why the solver wants him to fold. Yeah. Well, Dan's playing Andy and Dan decides that he agrees with Jonathan and he makes the call. Yeah. Scary, but okay. Now this stack to pot ratio is... Intense, $32,900 in the pot, and Andy and Dan has 20900 in his stack. So it's got less than two-thirds of a pot remaining going to the room. That's, that's only twice the, the, well, 21 times the guaranteed prize pool for our free roll on the Saturday on Nitrogen. That's a good point. Just thought I'd mention that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. if, it was, if it was twice the guarantee, I mean, what a free roll, a 10K free roll, that'd be nice. But I mean, yeah. A 1K free roll is pretty damn nice, too. Not so shabby they accidentally did an 8k free roll once but anyway that's another conversation for another day um so let's get to the river all right so we've got the uh ace of hearts eight of hearts jack of clubs flop king of hearts turn Andy has a straight with queen ten of diamonds dan has ace with ace four of diamonds and the river is the river is the death card for andy it is the jack of hearts yeah it's a pretty this is such a bad run out for a guy who has broadway to like hit your turn card so beautifully and still have such a bad run out. But here we yep. are. Board like, pairs. What the, what the fuck are you supposed to do now? <laughs> That's a great question. What is Andy supposed to do? I mean, the answer is pretty clear, right? You have to check. How can yeah. you bet? It feels very clear that you just have to check and hope that Dan has an ace that he feels like the showdown value is good enough that he'll just check back and you get to win. Okay. There are, there are two other options, of course, besides just checking, although it really wouldn't occur to me to do either one. One is to go big and try and get heroed by a worse hand, because I don't think we're going to fold out better hand. I, mean, I guess we can sometimes fold out a bad heart once in a while. Um, the other one is to bet small and try How and get... How does Dan he- ever have a bad heart? Uh, ace... The worst heart he can really ever have is the 10 of hearts, right? Yeah. Like ace hand with the 10 of hearts, two tens with the 10 of hearts. You could have two bad hearts. Maybe you could have four or five of hearts and decide not to raise the turn. Oh, there you go. That's how he has a bad heart. Okay, good. So... Maybe if we shove, we can get caught. Maybe we can fold those out, but I don't know that we can anyway. Those may call us anyway because we're Andy. Yep. And it's Dan. Yep. Um, but conversely, if we bet small or maybe even shove, we might be able to get called by Trip Jacks sometimes. I mean, come on. We're Andy. We might, get, we might be able to get called by Trip what Jacks. What Trip sometimes. Jacks does Dan have? Queen Jack. That the Queen of Hearts. <laughs> so he has a flush. Queen Jack without the Queen of Hearts. <laughs> Queen Jack. Which he's calling on the turn? I mean... Yeah, it's really hard to come up with trip jacks he can have here that make any sense at all. Yeah, because although all the jacks are either full houses or they usually falls the turn with them. Hard to get called by a jack. Maybe he just like... You know, he called with, with Ace-4. So, you know, Jack isn't that wildly different based it's, on uh, situationally. Situationally, okay, but, it's not that different. But Dan Zach is sophisticated. He's not just thinking situationally. Situationally, he's also thinking distribution-wise and stuff like that. I mean, sure. But if he's thinking like I'm bluff catching against Andy, Ace Four really plays the same. 
as a Jack, except for potentially uh, our, um, you know, if what our equity is in terms of if we can improve on the river. If he has a hand like Jack 10 or Queen Jack, maybe he's like, well, I can hit a gutter for Broadway. I don't know if you would call anyway when the heart comes on the track. I mean, I don't think he's even playing Queen Jack off pre-flop necessarily. I wouldn't think so either, but he did call with Ace-4 suited. So I don't know that we can say definitively. When we put this in the solver, we did not include... I think any queen jack, if we did, we include. No, we for sure, we for sure included queen jack suited. Oh, of course. No, no, I mean queen jack off. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Because if it's queen jack suited, there aren't very many of those, right? There's two combos of that left. Yeah. And from Andy's point of view, there's one, not that he would. And we don't think that Dan has that anyway, most of the time. Yeah. Has played. Yeah. Anyway, interestingly enough, the solver likes option three, which is we gave it the option to bet tiny, to bet 21% of the pot instead of moving in. Like 6,000. And that's what it really wants Andy to do, like all the time. Yeah. Isn't that weird? 99.9%. Feels a lot like a check to me. I think the concern for the solver is like every time it checks, it's just afraid it's going to get bluffed out. Like, so it's so easy for it to get bluffed out that it feels it does better as a blocker bet where it's going to cut down on the amount of bluffs that its opponent will do and it gets to win the pot more often. And so from an EV point of view, it's actually, even though it loses that 6,000 a lot of the time by betting that 6,000, right? Because sometimes you get bluff raised and sometimes you get called. And usually when you get called, you're beat. Yeah. Um, usually. Uh, but still, if it prevents getting bluffed out of a $33,000 pot some of the time, that's pretty good, you know? Yeah, but the solver would only do that if it was a $33,000 pot. If it was like a $33 pot, the solver would be like, ah, I don't care, fuck it. For, well, to bet six thousand dollars and to, to as a blocker <laughs> bet for a thirty-three dollar pot, I think is a mistake. Well, because you know the other guy's gonna the you know, you know the other guy's gonna bet thirty thousand, even though it's only a thirty-three dollar pot. I mean, how strong is it if the dude raises you after you bet six k? It's pretty strong. Yeah, it's probably have to fold. Probably anyway, Andy doesn't do that weird thing that seems out of left field. He checks, which feels normal, and yes, it feels like waving the white flag and just. Hoping, like I said, that Dan has some sort of ace that he's going to take the showdown value of mm-hmm. and check back because it feels like if Dan bets, it's going to be really hard to find a call. So here's the thing. It feels like Dan should just check a lot of the time here, right? Because now that Andy has checked, Andy could have had a bluff and been like, well, this run out is so bad that I can't bluff anymore. So an ace could win a decent amount of the time, right? I don't know if I buy that. I think when Andy has a bluff... Um, this is exactly the kind of run that he could be trying to take advantage of where the board changed so much from flop to river that Andy could be like, well, I have the queen of hearts. Sure. Why not? I can have all sorts of weird stuff. Like, like, yeah, sometimes you have a flush here and sometimes you have a full house here, but a lot of times you just have to fold because you're holding on with two pair or an ace or something like that. You know, um, I actually think Andy's bluffing a lot here. Um, if he doesn't have anything, I think this is a pretty good board to do it on. Well, Andy's the kind of guy who Andy's the kind of guy who would um, bluff the turn if he picks up a heart equity, you know. Yeah, or if he had nothing, or if anything happened. Sure, that too. But I'm saying, like, like him having hearts is a reasonable story. Him having the queen of hearts is a very reasonable story here. Yeah. So from Andy's point of view, like, I would be surprised. Like, it's it's much harder for Dan to have the queen of hearts, as we're saying. How does he have it? Ace queen with the queen of hearts is like the one obvious one. Maybe queen queen with the queen of hearts. That's Pretty much it. Maybe king queen with the queen of hearts a little bit. There's not that much there. So Andy has a lot more queens of hearts and has all the other hands too. Has all the full houses and Dan doesn't have nearly as many. I think Danny, I think Andy's 
When Andy checks, he usually has something that's pretty good and probably, not always, but probably is beating Ace-4. Well, Dan agrees with you. Yeah. Because he does not check back to take, take his equity. He decides to move all in. 20, yeah. 21K into 33K, basically. So, a couple questions. What is he repping, and is it a good idea? <laughs> okay, he's repping... At least the Ten of Hearts, probably the Queen of Hearts, plus. And which exact hands would those be? Ace-Queen with the Queen of Hearts. Yep. Maybe King-Queen with the Queen of Hearts. Yep. King-Jack. Ace-Jack. I guess you could have a slow-played pocket eights where he was slow-playing the flop. The turn was kind of a bad card, so he called. And then Andy checks the river, and he's like, well, maybe you're going to call me sometimes. Yeah. Moving with my full house. Um. That's all I really got. But that's a reasonable amount of hands, at least. That's some hands, right? Ace yeah, I think the Queen of Hearts feels like the most obvious one. Yeah, and those full houses make sense, especially the King Jack and Ace Jack. Although Ace yeah. Jack may be more of a raise on the flop. Not yeah, sure. sometimes he's going to raise the flop with that and pocket eights too, of yeah. course. But King Jack, King Jack and Ace Queen with the Queen of Hearts are like, absolutely. And King Queen with the Queen of Hearts, I think also is absolutely. By the way, Queen Queen with the Queen of Hearts, too. He's calling the flop, and he turns the nut flush draw and, a, and the straight draw. He's not folding. But it's not a great story for the pre-flop part of the hand. Right. That's true. Yeah. But it's, there's a reasonable amount of combos here that make sense for Dan to be playing for value that are really good hands. So yeah. I think that answers my second question, that it probably is a good idea. It, it probably is. It's not like a thing where it's like, what the hell are you repping, kid? It's not like that. It, it actually is a decent representation of these things. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty good. Does Andy have a lot of nutted hands that he checks on the river or does he just go for it mostly? I think he mostly just goes for it because of the stack to pot. Yeah, right? because of his reputation that, and the stack to pot. That's, that's another good reason to do it. That Andy is, is like probably got a hand that doesn't love this river card most of the time. Yeah, like he would also just assume that like Dan's going to check back a lot of his medium strength hands here. And so he just can't let that happen. And he's just got to take a shot, you know, and, right. hope, and hope Dan has something. So. so what, so what is Dan targeting? I guess it must be, he's not probably putting Andy on too much queen 10. He's putting him on like chops, a lot of chops because any ace besides a full house uh, with ace jack or ace king is going to be a chop with ace yeah. four. So it's cool if you get to fold out a chop. That's nice. That's really cool. Folding out ace king is pretty sweet also, yeah. which you yeah could reasonably do here. If you're folding out ace-queen, you're probably folding out ace-king because you figure Dan, Dan doesn't have ace-king very often, right? right. So, so from Andy's point of view, they're, they're relatively similar. Ace-king sometimes wins, it wins a little bit more. You know, yeah. gets the whole pot, so that's cool. But still, they're relatively similar against the range. Um, yeah, I think that's mostly what you're targeting because what else is there really? We're not think, like you're saying, we're not thinking about folding out a straight can't imagine that's even in our head that that's that's a hand that he has very often right. and obviously anything that was a set turns into a full house so we can't target that we might be targeting baby hearts sometimes too perhaps yeah but i think that's it i guess i guess andy could have a queen 10 and cool but we just wouldn't think about that as yeah. as a big part of it so we wouldn't yeah so i think yeah aces and baby hearts are good things to target yeah. And I figure we're going to, Andy has to fold some things. So he's probably going to have to fold his aces and call with some of his baby hearts, something like that. 
perhaps. Let's see what the solver says about Dan's move in here. It, uh, okay. it, it likes it all right, actually. It wants him to move in 44% of the time. Thinks it's totally reasonable to turn this hand into a bluff in this spot. Yeah. Uh, wants him to check 49% of the time. And the rest of the time, we gave it the option for Dan to bet 6K, which is interesting. Just a tiny bet. Uh, it's okay with that. It wants him to do that 7% of the time. Yeah, that's kind of interesting, right? Because it looks so strong to bet yeah. 6K here. And maybe it works as a bluff nearly as much as the move in. And you save that, you know, that 20 or whatever, $15,000 every time he calls. Not every time, but most of the time when he calls. Like you may, you may end up doing a little bit better, although clearly it thinks the move in is a better play. So it thinks you can't, you can't really bet 6K too much and you'll start calling too often. Yeah. Do that. And, um, uh, and guess what? It works. Mm-hmm. Andy folds without much pause, which makes sense because Dan's, Dan, like we said, can wrap a lot of these hands that are really good. Yeah. You think if he bets 6K, Andy's calling with the straight? I don't know. He might be. One thing that Max Sawyer did tell us when he suggested this was that Andy was down a quarter of a million dollars when this hand occurred. Yeah. I got to so, tell you, as, when I've been really down in no limit spots and like get, I remember getting, being, getting just crushed one day uh, not too long ago at a, in a cash game and opening under the gun and blah, 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 whatever. I ended up rivering a flush and getting check raised all in on a paired board. And I just, it's really, I eventually, I eventually did fold, but it was really hard to fold because I had been down so much. I'm like, boy, if I make this call, I mean, I'm, I'm not all the way back, but it gets me a bunch of the way back and I've already lost so much. What's another, you know, X hundred dollars to put in here, you know, whatever, 500 bucks, 600 bucks, whatever it was. Um, at this point, I've already also put so much in already and all that stuff, but I eventually found a fold. But I, but that there's that draw, that siren song of like, just put the money in, man. Maybe something good will happen once, you know, maybe, maybe this is finally the time something good happens. Yeah. That's not an advisable thought process at the no, poker table. That is, that is the gambler's fallacy illustrated in poker right there. Yeah. I'm proud that I did find a fold <laughs> that time. I'm happy I got away from that one. And so did Andy, despite being down 250 K and being totally entitled to have entitlement tilt. Of course, this time entitlement tilt would have worked out just fine because he would, would have won have. the hand. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but I don't know how he's supposed to call her. So, yep. Music is my sunlight and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life. And I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. I'm going to be traveling the globe. We still have time to make it home.